You are listening to the spiciest fantasy basketball podcast with the hottest takes. I'm Adam Klepsig, joined by co-host Michael Guyman. How are you doing today, Michael? Fantastic. How are you, sir? Oh, can't complain. And today we are joined by a very special guest. He is a member of the league that Michael and I play in. It's a 10-category, or 9-category, 10-person head-to-head league. And Parker has won this league twice uh, he's runner-up tw- uh, twice as well, um, and we welcome him onto the show today for a roundtable discussion. How are you doing today, Parker? Doing well. Excited to be here and offer up some hot takes around this fantasy basketball league. And today will be a day of hot takes because we are going to talk about some of the surprise performers of this fantasy season and some of the biggest disappointments, so obviously opinions are bound to differ And without further ado, we will hop right into it. All right, now to talk about the players that all three of us think have been the biggest surprises of the 2019 to 2020 season. First up is Michael. Yeah, so I say Marcus Morris is one of the more surprising players. Uh, He's only getting more points, six to be exact. Uh, He's averaging one more three. Um, The rebounds and assists and steals are all about the same, but if he's scoring more points, playing slightly more minutes, um, he's just obviously worth owning more than he would have been last year. He's overlooked. People thought he was going to get out the same production, but no, he's been scoring more points, um, plays a lot of minutes again for the Knicks, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of an underrated player, I believe. Yeah, hard to argue with that. If you thought Marcus Morris was going to be doing what he's doing this season, then you should be playing the lottery. All right, and next player is a player that I have selected who plays for the Charlotte Hornets, Devontae Graham. And I think what's been really surprising with him is just the scoring, the assists, and just how he's sort of taken control of a lot of the point guard minutes despite the narrative heading into the season being that Terry Rozier would control all the point guard minutes. And while Rozier has had a really good season, I just don't think that anyone saw this coming from Devontae Graham. And yeah, while he kills you in the field goal percentage, he's getting points over three threes a game and almost eight assists per game. Yeah, Devontae Graham's been fun to watch. Him and Scary Terry as a duo together. Um, I think a lot of analysts predicted Charlotte as being one of the worst teams in the the league this year. I think they've uh, still being at the bottom, near the bottom of the standings. I think they've surprised a lot of people um, with how well they played. Um, A player that I thought really surprised a lot of us, especially where he was drafted in most drafts, is Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans uh, Pelicans. So, um, and the Lakers, certainly we all knew that he had the talent. Um, he was talked about as a possible next Kevin Durant. Um, but now this year, averaging 25.6 points per game, um, leading the Pelicans teams. Uh, it's, it, they're, they're definitely having a tough year. However, uh, Brandon Ingram providing um, definitely much better value than where he was drafted. Pretty efficient, getting about 47.8 from the field um, and also shooting very well from the line at 85.5%. So um, definitely a great surprise to see. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he meshes with Zion, um, but that'll be fun to see. Um, But if you drafted Brandon Ingram, you definitely got a a great value. And not not to get uh, too tangential, but what do we think happens when Zion comes back? Does Ingram maintain this level of play? Does he go back down into a lesser role? What happens? Well, I, I think, especially from the preseason, we, we all think that Zion's going to have an immediate impact on that team. It's hard to imagine that um, Brandon Ingram maintains the amount of um, shot volume that he currently has. Um, I think Zion is considered the future of that team. And uh, while Brandon Ingram is still pretty young, um, I think they're going to focus a lot of their looks um, as, uh, to Zion. So, um, definitely think we're going to see dip in points and volume, but uh, I think he'll maintain some good value. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything in that. Uh, he's obviously getting all the minutes he can. He's shooting well, but I don't think he's going to become a scrub when Zion comes back, but he's not going to be putting up those 49-point games, I believe. So uh, enjoy him while you can. He's going to be a you know, great, great value, but he might slip a little bit, but nothing to be worried about, honestly. If anything, it'll take the stress off of him. Clearly, when you're scouting, people know that this guy's going to be the one that dropped the most on you. So eh, he'll be fine. Don't forget that team is Drew Holiday as well. Ah, fair, yeah. That, that kitchen's about to get a little crowded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget about Lonzo. Two triple-doubles in the last five games, so he's been doing very well. What an interesting team to have fantasy players in, huh? Oh, yeah, so yeah, no, anyways, um, the next player on the list is Chris Paul. So uh, technically, as far as numbers, if you want to get nitty-gritty about it, he did a little bit better than last year. But this is why I have him on my most surprising list. He got traded to the Thunder. I mean, come on. Like, you got to have a little, you got to have some personality when you think about players. There's no way he wanted to go to OKC. I just, come on. You're playing Harden, Western Conference Finals last year, gets shipped off to OKC. Everyone's thinking he's going to do worse, he's not this and that. No, he's one of the most efficient point guards in the league. Yeah, he's only getting 16 points, but, and I mean, it's a little over six assists. But as far as uh, percentages and everything else, Chris Paul is exceeded most people's at least mind expectations he's healthy he's playing a lot there's no liability with him on the court and he's leading the thunder into a playoff spot so he's gonna you know keep that consistency so uh chris paul i thought he was gonna dip down with his age and everything new team didn't want to be there um no he's loving it so far and um yeah if you have him you got a little treat there uh, see, I, I have to come back at this one because I was actually not surprised by Chris Paul doing this well. And my reason being is actually similar reason to Michael's because he got traded from Houston to Oklahoma City. And what does that do? That puts a giant chip on your shoulder. The Rockets said, this guy is not good enough. We're not going to win with him and Harden. So you know what? Let's throw him to the Thunder and take a flyer on Westbrook. See if the, the old band, if they get back together, can do it without Durant. And I just think that that put an enormous chip on Chris Paul's shoulder. I think he wanted to prove that he can be the lead player on a playoff team. He doesn't even have to be the sidekick like he was on the Rockets, that he can be the guy just like he was with the Clippers and lead a team to the playoffs. And that's what he's doing right now. And I, I guess I've just always been someone who's thought that Chris Paul's had that ability the whole time. Yeah, I must have overestimated his professionalism, but I'm just really happy with his uh, efficiency, at least so far. He's really taken on that role, and uh, it's good to see it as a fan. All right, and then the next player that I have pegged as a one of the biggest surprises of this fantasy season is Malcolm Brogdon, the Indiana Pacers. And while I think that we all thought he would be pretty good, you know, he was a top 100 player last year, mostly due to his efficiency, high field goal percentage from a point guard with just elite free throw percentage, which has continued this year. But the main thing that I think has been a surprise is just one category, really, and that's the assists. He's always been a shooting guard type of point guard, just, you know, a good passer, not a great passer, but a point guard that pretty much defers on offense and then flows in as a spot-up shooter. Not this year. This year he is running that Indiana offense. That offense is clicking, and he is getting almost eight assists per game and that is driving his value up quite a bit. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing that we're going to see is when Oladipo returns. Um, they're going to be running those that point together. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, Oladipo slides into the shooting guard position. I would imagine that's what's going to happen. Um, but it'll be exciting to see when Oladipo returns. They've got a great young team. Um, and it leads us well into the next player that I think has been a great surprise this year is Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers. Um, a player that we've always known that has promise, young player, um, but really took a good step in his in his game this year. Um, he's averaging 12.9 rebounds a game right now and 17.8 points per game. Um, you're getting good efficiency out of him. I think the one thing that we can hope out of our power forward and centers is is some good defensive stats. However, he is lacking a little bit, but he's getting you 4.3 assists as well, um, something that you're not expecting out of a player like that. Um, so very good to see out of him. Um, fun Indiana Pacers team to watch, so got a lot of promise on that team.
Yeah, and I think one thing that was interesting with Sabonis, they started him with Miles Turner, you know, with Sabonis at the power forward and Turner at the center. And I think a lot of people question how that would work out. And it's worked out pretty well. I, I was I can't say that I have not been a little bit surprised by how well Sabonis has played too. Yeah, no, everything's better. Uh, if you draft him this year, you're over picking what he got him. But uh, no, the next pick is uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, again, another player that was traded uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's playing alongside with Chris Paul. He's playing a lot of games, not missing much, um, getting 20 points a game on really good field goal percentage with uh, 47% as a guard, uh, almost six rebounds a game as a guard, which is really huge. And uh, three assists, just over a steal, and about 83% from the line. But no one really, I mean, here's the thing. Shea Gilgis Alexander, when you had him last year in the Clippers, he was nice, upcoming, promising player. But I, no one, I didn't think he was going to be getting 36 minutes a game, 20 points and something. And especially that crazy anomaly triple-double with over 20 rebounds. That just shows the type of player that he could potentially be. And his upside is crazy high. That's what that shows. He's young. He's talented. He's on a team that's competing. Chris Paul's mentoring him. If you have him, he's only going to get better. So he definitely comes in my surprise list. But next podcast or two or next year, he will not be on that surprise list. And it's definitely nice to see what he's been able to do when he's just, you know, he's just basically had unlimited opportunity on offense. Yes, they do have Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, but uh, he, you know, with that Clippers team he was on last year, his opportunities were a lot more limited. All right, and my next pick, which I think uh, this one's a little more nuanced, but my next pick for surprise player of this fantasy season is Derrick Rose. And the reason why I say that is because when you look at the surface, not much of what he's done this year is too much different than last year. I just think it's that nobody really thought he could do it again. It's just the health issues have been such a problem for him. He's played 37 games so far, only 26 minutes, but still giving you, you know, 18 points a game, a three, a couple rebounds, six assists, little under a steal, little under half a block, good percentages, and he just looks very comfortable in Detroit. If I was a Detroit Pistons fan, I would want him starting over Bruce Brown, Reggie Jackson, whatever else they got there, Tim Frazier. I, I think he is the best point guard in Detroit, and if I was a Pistons fan, that would probably be the one good thing I would hold on to from this season. Yeah, I'm pissed. I drafted Reggie Jackson. I have no idea where he went. I dropped him like within week two. He, I, he could be anywhere. Jeez. Yeah, as a basketball fan, I think we can all agree that we're excited to see this and uh, yes. see him healthy, see him doing well. Um, wish it was on a better team than the Detroit Pistons, but yeah. we will take what we can get. <laughs> um, so that leads me into my next surprise of the season. And a lot of analysts really pick this player as to be, uh, a, a, again, an improved player from even the last year is Pascal Siakam. Um, they're, they're looking for their go-to man after Kawhi left. Um, Pascal has taken that role and just ran with it at 23.8 points a game. Um, great, great defensive stats. Um, he's contributing all around. Um, so it's just been really fun to watch him. I don't think the, the Raptors have taken much of a step back from um, where they were with Kawhi as far as in the standings. Um, I think they'll struggle um, into the playoffs without Kawhi. However, um, they, they've definitely done well with the tools that they have. Yeah, and it, there's been a, a few players on that Toronto team that have been really surprising. Uh, one player who I thought has been really surprising who is similar to a player on that Toronto team, I'm talking about John Isaac on the Orlando Magic. And what's really caused his push-up has been the defensive numbers, getting you two and a half blocks per game and a steal and a half per game. I know he's hurt now. He may be done for the rest of the fantasy season, may be done for the rest of the entire regular season. There's just not a whole lot known about his knee injury, but we do know that he's out for at least a couple months. But prior to that, in the 32 games that he had played, you know, not a ton of scoring, 
but you know you got that three per game seven boards an assist and a half a little over steal and a half a little under two and a half blocks good percentages and I just don't think we quite thought or I don't think we're seeing what we thought we were going to see with Isaac. I thought we expected the defensive stats to be good, just not this good. Yeah, I, I we have a member in our league that has him, and I think I've thrown five to eight trades at him <laughs> just trying to get him because he single-handedly can win you a, a defensive category. What a monster. Um, was Probably fell to a lot of the bottom of most drafts. Um, so you definitely got the value. Um, yeah, like Adam said, it's going to be tough with the injury, um, but this will be something fun to keep watching. This could be um, something brewing for fantasy. Yeah, so next, and the one we've all been waiting for, everyone's golden pony boy is uh, Luka Doncic. He's getting eight more points, about 4% more from the field goal better. Um, the th- assists is three more, getting a rebound more. Everything, everything's improving. More minutes, games, you name it. Basically averaging a triple-double. Um, yeah, he gets a lot of turnovers. What do you expect out of a player like this? He's top 10 in efficiency. I don't know where you picked him in your draft, but I guarantee you didn't pick him in the top eight or anything like that. And uh, we actually had a guy get him in the 10th round. We all mocked and made fun of him, and now, yeah, he's laughing at us. So, um, But no, the guy is just simply amazing. He's only going to get better, which is scary. I, I'm really curious about next year's draft where he's going to go top five. I mean, it's it's nuts. But uh, yeah, Luca. I mean, I didn't think he was going to get that crazy of a bounce, almost 10 points more per game. Just giving him a bigger role. Um, I love to see it. He's uh, it's really fun. Yeah, I, I think Michael highlighted another thing is you know where does Luca go next year? I think he's as elite as you put him in the group with Giannis, Harden, Curry, Towns, Davis. You know those are all all yeah, seem to be interchangeable at this point. Um, so Luca is definitely in that category now. Um, definitely, if you got him this year, you definitely got a value. Um, don't expect a value pick next year. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Michael and I were actually talking about this the other day when we were cooking some chicken about just tiering the players for next year's draft, and we both had him in that top tier along with, I think it was Harden, AD, Giannis, Towns, and I think that was kind of where we cut it off, but yeah. we did have Luca on in that top tier along with those other mm-hmm. horses. Yeah, only I get better. Yeah. So uh, last on my list, um, Rashawn Holmes of the Sacramento Kings, um, straight out of BGSU. Um, we are Toledo grads, um, so they are our rivals. Um, but it's good to see a MAC player come into the league and do some dominance. Um, he has taken over as the the starting center for the Sacramento Kings. Um, it, it, the numbers may not seem outstanding to you right away, but when you look at the efficiency. The defensive player stats, um, he is right up there with about a lot of other big fantasy names. Um, Rashawn Holmes is at 13.1 points a game and only 8.5 rebounds, but he's getting you one one steal a game and 1.1 blocks, low turnovers, 66% from the field, and almost 82% from the line. Um, So just an efficiency monster. Um, definitely, Definitely getting ranked up higher with some of the better players. So... Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when that team is fully healthy because they have Nemanja Bialika playing really well. You know, they've invested quite a bit in Marvin Bagley, even though he actually might be the worst out of those three players. But it'll just be interesting to see how those minutes are distributed when both Holmes, Bagley, and Bialika are all healthy because so far we haven't had much of that this season. All right, and there's one other guy who I wanted to mention who I did not originally plan on talking about, but I had mentioned that John Isaac was similar to somebody on the Raptors, and who I was talking about was OG Ananobi on the Toronto Raptors. He's been playing uh, power forward for them, but just a defensive stats monster, just sort of like Isaac, sort of like Holmes getting you about a block and a steal per game but I just I think some people might have saw this coming from OG but I don't think that many people saw him being like a top 100 type of player and yeah just mainly helping you out with those rebounds the defensive stats and the good efficiency 
Yeah, totally agree. Um, it's another important part of the Raptors' growing program. Um, it's going to be an integral part once they get into the playoffs. They're going to need all hands on deck if they want to make a push. His free throw sucks, though, but his field goal, 50%. I mean, you're telling me he makes half his shots. <laughs> I like to have that. But, you know, they can't all be great. Get, and he gets low turnovers. That's probably what does it. And depending on what platform you're using, you can play him at shooting guard in a lot of different platforms, okay. anywhere from shooting guard to power forward, which is nice, that positional versatility. All right. Well, that does it for surprise players of the 2019 to 2020 season. Now we're going to talk about some of the biggest disappointments. Now for our most disappointing players of the 2019 to 2020 fantasy season. Up first again is Michael. So I'm going to take a little bit of a personal note on this because I thought I was being all um, witty and I was going to pick Draymond Green, one of those guys that doesn't score a lot but does everything else. Yeah, man, come on. I get it's not the same team, but it doesn't need to be trash now. Shooting 38% from the field, I I get it. You know, it takes there's more pressure on you and everything, but... It's just really annoying. Less than 10 points. Uh, you're getting six rebounds, which, I mean, you're a power forward center. Well, you, I should expect you that. Yeah, your six assists are nice. You're stealing a half and just under a block. Cool. I get it. But you've been better in the past. You're only getting, you're not that old. You should only be getting better. It really just highlights how Curry and or Clay Thompson being out really affects this guy. I've always said, put Draymond Green in the magic and see what happens. Well, I'm starting to see it now. And he definitely got overdrafted in most leagues this year. And if he didn't, then you were being smart. But uh, I'm just slightly disappointed in his production so far. He's, you know, sitting out games here and there and very, very inconsistent. Um, He'll get you six points, eight rebounds, eight assists. I like that. But then the next day he'll get you three rebounds, four assists, and honestly, maybe a layup. So little annoying yeah i think that this is a player that's uh, oftentimes we're guilty of as fantasy players is name value um oftentimes people are getting picked much better than where they are based on the name um we have to take into the other considerations of the fact that a lot of injury problems going on in golden state um so they're relying more on um draymond to be a force and draymond is definitely not going to be your your top performer on a team so when he's looked to to being the main ball handler um that seems to be causing some issues yeah hard to argue with any of that i think a lot of people thought that you know even with clay missing most of the year that curry russell and draymond could at least, you know, somewhat salvage that Golden State season and push for a playoff spot. But instead, Curry's only played four games, and Russell's had his own injury issues as well. So we just haven't really seen the Draymond Green that we thought we were going to get. All right, now one of my players that I've picked as one of the biggest disappointments for this year was one of the biggest darlings of fantasy basketball last year because of his performance not only in the actual NBA playoffs, but in the NBA fantasy playoffs too. We're talking about Derek White. And this was a guy that at the end of last year, he was scoring, he was getting steals and blocks, assists, rebounds, shooting threes, and his percentages were elite. He was a legitimate nine-category player at the end of last year. And everybody thought, you know, this guy's just playing too well. Him and DeJounte Murray... Um, aren't going to be an issue, you know, that White will be the guy, Murray will, you know, he'll get eased back into it, and so far, Murray's been the better player, I don't think either of them are huge fantasy guys this year, but I just think that given the hype from Derek White heading into this season, that he just has not even come close to living up to it. He's not even a top 200 player this year. Yeah, no, he's a whopping free agent. It's really disappointing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so um, going on to next is uh, Rocco. Uh, Take it away, Parker. Yeah, so this player I wanted to highlight, um, as of late, you know, he has been playing better. Um, Rocco had a really slow start to this year. Um, and and I'm, what I'm interested in is does it have any correlation to the fact that we saw Andrew Wiggins 
finally put up numbers that were fantasy relevant. We had always thought of Andrew Wiggins as the point scorer and really didn't contribute anywhere else into other categories. Um, But Andrew Wiggins really stood out in the beginning of the season. Um, We've seen some of his stats drop in the last couple weeks, um, and we've seen Rocco's number go up. Um, So I I think that we're seeing some relevance between the two players. Um, Something to keep in mind, we do hear Rocco's name through trade rumors at all times. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he ends somewhere before um, the trade deadline. So something to keep an eye on. I think, if anything, trade trade would only improve his value unless he goes to a stacked team somewhere, possibly Lakers or whatever it may be. That's the only situation where I start seeing his value decrease from where it currently is. So. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think Rocco is in a decent situation now, but he does have Towns there. He does have Wiggins there. They're trying to get Culver more touches as well. So you have two guys who are just absolute ball-dominant players, and they have another guy that they're kind of trying to lead into being a more ball-dominant player in Culver. And it's kind of a bad recipe if you're a guy that's, you know, a spot-up shooter like Covington who, you know, relies mainly on his threes and his defensive stats for his fantasy value. Um, yeah, definitely a guy to watch. Like Parker said, if he's traded, it's most likely going to improve his situation, not limit it. So we'll have to watch and see how that all goes. Yeah, so next on the list is uh, DeAndre Jordan and – yeah, you're probably thinking, well, we all knew Jared Allen would be better. Okay, cool, but DeAndre Jordan just got traded to a new team. He's always been one of the best rebounders. He's great field, one of the best in field goal percentage as far as you know volume taking. Um, scores more points than Draymond, so there's that. But this year, I mean, yeah, I get it. Jared Allen's younger, fresher, and all that, but, man, it's such a disappointment. He's getting more turnovers and blocks. That doesn't make any sense for a player like him. Sure, he's getting just under 10 rebounds, but that's nonsense. I'm used to getting 13, 14. Come on. Sure, he gets me 15, you know, every now and then, players that people that have him out there, but not scoring at all, too inconsistent, and now he's hurt. I mean, come on, just drop the guy already. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind a few seasons ago, um, DeAndre Jordan was locked into his own house by uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, and I think we can all agree um, nobody would be locking DeAndre Jordan in his house any longer. Um, He is free to go wherever he pleases. Um, I know Kyrie and KD were excited to have him on the team. Veteran leadership, um, player with playoff um, uh, history, so... Um, I think that that's his relevance to the team at this point. Yeah, definitely no more name value. You hear the name, you're like, DeAndre Jordan. Like, I guarantee if you see my free agency, you're going to be like, oh, my God, what a steal. Then you look at it, and you're like, ooh, you know, never mind. Yeah, I also think, though, now, too, if Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were locking me in a room trying to make me sign with their team, I would probably bust out of my house, <laughs> call my agent immediately, and tell him to not sign me on yeah, that team. yeah. He's going to play with KD. He's taking his role. But as far as fantasy, yuck. All right. And next player that I have picked as one of the biggest disappointments, and I don't know how much more disappointing you can get than this, is Nick Batum of the Charlotte Hornets, who is a guy that I don't think necessarily everyone thought was going to be earth-shattering this year. But, you know, he was at least a top 150 player the last couple years. He is on free agency in pretty much every single league. I'm trying to think of a league because I'm in quite a few different leagues. I'm trying to think of one league that I'm in where Nick Batum is not a free agent. He is just completely fantasy irrelevant now. Yeah, Nick Batum, name of the past. Um, Veteran, leader, um, but... His time of being fantasy relevant is over. So um, let's leave that one in the past um, and not focus on him any longer. Yeah, not even a top 200 player this year. And it's just a shame to see what he's become. Uh, Yeah, next on the list is uh, Mike Conley. Yeah, so um, Mike Conley um, uh, traded to the Utah Jazz this year. Um, We were uh, really excited about the Donovan Mitchell-Mike Conley duo. Um, He did really well for the Grizzlies. Um, They decided to move into a new direction, which is hard to argue with John Morant just doing amazing things. 
Um, but I can for for all of us, we're excited to see Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell together. Um, Utah Jazz always a playoff contender, um, and thought that this could be the next move to get them moving up. But um, Mike Conley, thirteen point one points a game in the ugly numbers, four point six assists a game. Um, I remember when he was in Memphis, getting around seven um, and points near uh, the twenty mark. So. Definitely taking a large dip. Um, Donovan Mitchell's the go-to man there. Totally understand that. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough to see that Mike Conley is really not super fantasy relevant this year. But he's had some injuries. Um, We'll see how this progresses throughout the season. Um, Something to keep an eye on, maybe a buy-low opportunity. Yeah, and while we're focused more on performance-related disappointments in our discussion, it is worth noting that Conley has also been disappointing from a health perspective, just has not been able to stay on the court this year. And it almost seems like at times, I mean, especially on the streak that they're on right now, they tend to play better with him uh, off the court. You know, Emmanuel Moutier's been doing a great job running the point in his absence. You know, it kind of allows him to play more of a spot-up shooter role, which he's done a good job of improving this year and puts the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands more. And a, a team just seems to click with that. They start Ingles when Conley's out, and they still also have Bojan out there and Gobert. I mean, that's a solid team. And we'll see how they play when Conley comes back. I think he just did came back, come back and play one game. I think he's just had one game back so far. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, one game back, and he put up three points and three assists. Certainly on a minute restriction, but um, definitely not a positive note to start on. Yeah, and I know Joe Ingles did still have a decent game in Conley's first game back, but be interested to see how this works out going forward. Yeah, so next on the list, it's not so much that he regressed. It's that we expected him to be better near the end of the year last year he really started taking on his role and that is I'm talking about Gary Harris um he is good for steals if you need steals and streaming for a spot pick him up he'll, he'll get you probably two steals in one game I'm seriously but he averaged 12 and a half points last year he's getting 11 now so it's not the biggest difference but I think most of us were expecting maybe to hit the 17 mark or so and he's shooting 42 percent from the shooting guard Gary Harris eh, I, I get it but I just expect a little bit more out of him, and he's a free agent in a 10-man League 9 category. He's a free agent, and you're picking him up for steals, and that's about it, versus I think most people expected him to be a late-round pick, had a lot of upside and potential, but now he's hurt. You have Jamal Murray hurt. You have players like, um, uh, what's his name? He was hurt. Michael Porter Jr., he's stepping up, and he's getting minutes, and very, you know, showing that he can uh, take on that role. So I don't like Gary Harris's future um, as far as like next year too. Next year's draft, it's definitely not going to be a player on your board. But yeah, just a little disappointing. Kind of expect a little more from Gary Harris. Yeah, I think something to highlight is uh, the Nuggets just have so many weapons. And mm-hmm. just kind of thinking about the players on the team, there's probably only one player on that team that's providing better value than probably where they were drafted, and that's Will Barton. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, he's he, he he's competing in the same spot for Gary Harris, and he's had a tremendous year from um, probably not even being picked in most drafts, if not probably in the late, late rounds. Um, so, it's, I mean, Nikola Jokic has just been um, a sore spot for the people that drafted him top eight top five um so yeah i think there's just a lot of weapons and michael porter jr always something to consider um that'll be an exciting thing to keep an eye out for and michael and i kind of talked about it on the last podcast but i sort of think a couple years ago you could have saw this nuggets team headed two ways with were one of two ways with either Jamal Murray or Gary Harris becoming the main ball handler on that team in that backcourt. And I think early on, a lot of people thought it was going to be Harris just because he started playing at a more higher level earlier than Murray did. And it's just turned out now that it's quite obvious that Murray is the better player Mm -hmm. and I think another thing that Parker mentioned too is the emergence of Will Barton 
that's really taken away from Gary Harris because even like Michael said earlier, at the end of last year, Harris and Murray were coexisting and Harris had done really well. I remember I had Gary Harris in the stretch of my fantasy playoffs in a few leagues and he helped me quite a bit. But yeah, I've had him on my roster in a few different leagues this year and I just end up dropping him. It's He just hasn't been able to maintain that value. All right, and another guy who I had pegged as a disappointment for this fantasy season is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. And while his numbers don't look terrible on the surface, it's just he's not that top 30 guy that he was last year. And, yeah, with Miles Turner, you know, you're not even getting 15 points a game. You're getting a three and a half per game, which that's pretty good. Six rebounds a game. It's all right. He's never been a big rebounder. But last year, he averaged 2.7 blocks per game, and that was the big thing that his value was riding on. This year, it's down to 2.1, with pretty much everything else staying the same. Points went down a little, not a ton. But with those blocks going from 2.7 to 2.1, we're talking a 30 to 40 spot hit in his value. And he's young. You expect him to get just a little bit better, not a little bit worse. He had a lot of promising value to him last year. And again, not that he's terrible this year, but the whole category part we're doing in this is players that are underachieving our expectations, and he's doing it a little bit. Yeah, let's go back to kind of what we talked about. Miles Turner being a pretty big name in fantasy. Um, I'll recall a trade that was made in our league earlier um, where Nikola Vucevic, uh, was uh, hurt during the time. So Adam over here proposed a trade and got Vucevic for Miles Turner. Um, so quite a trade that worked out in his favor. Um, yeah, Miles Turner just carries too much name value. Vucevic always put lower in the draft than he should be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he falls to the fourth round most times and provides second-round value every single year, at least for the last four years. Yeah, Vucevic's that guy where if you just, like, take all the, like, player X for everything and just strictly look at the numbers, he's getting drafted way higher than he's ever been. It's just a thing. No one ever, like, trusts him. I don't know. I remember one time someone on the internet, was they thought uh, Bull Bull, or not Bull Bull, um... Boban? Yeah, no, not Boban. What's the one with the, he had a song about him. Oh, oh Mo Bamba. Bamba. Yeah, Bamba. Yeah, it was like, oh, Bamba's going to take over his minutes. Yeah, nice try. Yeah, right now I don't even know if Mo Bamba's the second best center yeah. on that team with Kem Birch playing all right. Yeah. Yeah, so leading into the next player, um, I would say a disappointment for the last two seasons. We continue to wait for this player to hit. He had... Uh, a great sophomore year and has actually regressed. Um, that's Aaron Gordon. Um, obviously, we see his dunking ability, um, but he is a struggling player this year, averaging 13.6 points a game. Still gets you some rebounds at 7.2, um, but he's playing heavy minutes. Um, there's not a lot of weapons on the Magic, so you would just expect a lot more from a player that we really thought there was a lot of talent coming from. Um, so I, I, unfortunately, I think that this is something that could be a recurring, um, thing. We haven't seen Aaron Gordon make that next step into his game. So yeah, no defensive stats, bad field goal. I want that from him. Come on, give me more blocks, give me more steals. You're getting under one on each and you're just shy of 43% shooting from the field and 69% from the free throw. I get it. You're a forward, but come on, man, you have the potential. What's up? Yeah, and I, I actually had Aaron Gordon pegged as a breakout candidate yeah. heading into this season. I thought, all right, this is the year he finally puts it all together. You know, we're we're going to see close to 20 points per game, close to 10 rebounds, a block and a steal. <laughs> nope, glad, glad that uh, I wasn't really able to get him in too many leagues because he would have burned me quite a bit. All right. And next guy who I have pegged as one of the biggest disappointments for this fantasy season is Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. And while I don't think anyone thought he was going to be this amazing, amazing fantasy player, there was a lot of talk of him going top 30, top 40 Mm -hmm. in a lot of drafts just based on those blocks. 
And he's not even getting two blocks per game this year. That field goal percentage is still stupid elite, over 70%. I don't know this to be fact, but I would be willing to bet without knowing it to be fact that he is leading the league in field goal percentage, you know, among players that are qualified. But yeah, just not really doing a whole lot. You know, not even 10 points a game, not even seven rebounds a game, a steal and 1.8 blocks per game, and that 70.9% field goal percentage, that's really where the value is. He's basically a three-cat player. Yeah, I thought he finished strong last year, but i got to start noticing a trend. you got to notice if a team is in a particular situation where certain players are going to be breakouts. I remember Park over here picked up a couple of years ago, uh, Trey Burke, and he went off. But no one would have owned him in the middle of the beginning, middle of the season. So I think Mitchell Robinson had a little more um, potential upside than people would have thought. But that is a good field goal. It's interesting. Yeah, highlight on Trey Burke. He single-handedly won me a championship yeah. in fantasy about two years ago. <laughs> he just went off towards the end of the year. But I took a look at ESPN projections for Mitchell Robinson, um, and you saw him high on the, on a lot of the draft boards. He was projected 3.1 blocks a game. Wow. Um, so really underperforming where his projections were. Um, so I think in, in our draft specific, we saw Mitchell Robinson drop pretty low. Um, so thankful that we were able to realize that, but maybe for the not most educated person, um, a lot Mitchell Robinson probably got picked pretty low in your draft. So um, definitely could be a tough thing. And I think part of the problem with players like him is they get hot at the end yes. of a fantasy season. Yes. So it's tough to mm-hmm. place them yep. when you're going into that next fantasy season. I agree. I think he's just a guy that if you were really paying attention, you could tell that a lot of the analysts had him pegged a little bit higher than what he should have been. Yeah, so leading into the next player, and, and Adam and I had a had a disagreement about this player um, for as far as being a disappointment, and that's Julius Randle. Um, I, I, we saw Julius Randle drop really late in our draft. I don't think that this is – of course, he's another player that just is only a few categories, um, but – in the grand scheme of things, he's almost 19 points a game. Um, efficiency isn't where we would hope it to be. He's getting you a little over nine rebounds a game. Honestly, it's what I expected. I don't think that he's underperforming. I don't think he's overperforming. Um, I think he's right where um, he probably got drafted. I think he slipped to um, sixth or seventh round in ours, um, but he was ranked pretty high. Um, but luckily, we let him go. I guess, yeah, I guess the reason why I was so disappointed in Randall is because I thought he would have a similar year to last year in New Orleans. You know, he's going to be in somewhat of a similar situation. He'd be on a bad team, but still have a prominent role. But the thing that just kills it for me is there's no defensive stats. That 0.8 steals per game, 0.2 blocks per game from a guy that plays a good chunk of minutes at center. Might as well be a guard. Yeah, and 45% from a guy that's only making 1.33s per game. I mean, if you're a big with that low of a shooting percentage, you better be like marking in where that's like the only thing you're shooting. <laughs> uh, Julius Randle is essentially your Andrew Wiggins of the power yeah. forward sl- center. Um, he's only producing in a few categories. Um, probably will get overdrafted every single year. Um, just like Andrew Wiggins generally does, except for the with the exception of this year. So you got to focus more on the players that are going to produce in multi categories. One thing to highlight: um, uh, co-host here, Michael Guyman, lost his matchup today by two assists, and mm-hmm. and it's so little points and so little stats that we talk about. Um, but it, it can make such a marginal difference, and could be the difference between you winning your matchup or you losing. So, yeah. So, yeah. When that the point two blocks, you know, when you're losing your matchup by two or three blocks, if that point two blocks is even point six blocks per game, you know, that can equate to a block or two in a week, and that can be the difference between winning or losing a matchup. Damn straight. Yeah, last on our list um, for disappointments, Marcus Soule. 
Um, I was a sucker for this pick. Um, I thought that he'd le- he got left around way too long in our draft. Um, I thought a, I got a player that would produce in, in a lot of categories, um, but definitely a career low for Mark is 7.2 points per game. Um, it's not contributing in all the he's, – he's always going to be a contributor in multi-categories. It's just he's getting about a steal a game, about a block, but he's also averaging 39% from the field. Um, it's definitely not something that he's been known for. Six and a half rebounds a game. Um, we'll see if this gets better moving forward. However, I don't think that it will. With the amount of talent that the Raptors have and Serge sharing minutes, they're they're both starting, but they're sharing minutes essentially. I don't see this getting any better. I think he's still a little hungover from winning that championship because this is just abysmal. I mean, come on, man. You're a center shooting under 40%. <laughs> Where's the like logic in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, disappointing. It's a big name, another big name you see on the, you know, Anywhere in your team, and you're like, oh, Marcus Solid, you click him, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think his profile isn't too different. It's just yeah. some of those categories that weren't as strong are now weaknesses, and the categories that he's traditionally been strong at, he's now just average at. So what you have is instead of a player who is good at a few categories but average at all, now you have a player who's average at a few categories and bad at the ones that he's not average at, which is a recipe for disappointment. Yeah. All right, and that will do it for the biggest disappointments of the 2019 to 2020 fantasy season, and we will end this with a who would you rather have. And on today's Who Would You Rather Have, we are going to do a topic that is not fantasy basketball related. This is just an open-ended question. Who would you rather start an NBA franchise with today? There are no salary considerations. You can consider the player's age because you're just starting a new NBA franchise. That means you're not only trying to win today, but you're trying to win for the future. You can start with any player. Who are you starting with? Michael, go. Oh, this is easy. Long live the king, LeBron James. And I know you're going for the future, but championships are, people remember those for a while. Uh, LeBron James, MVP the last 13 seasons, you could argue that. Uh, even without Anthony Davis' past couple games, he's still been killing it. Number one in the West, took down the Rockets. MVP in my mind, um, and he's going to take you to the finals no matter what. Look, we did Cleveland the past couple years. It's insane. The guy's going to take over. He has that mental thing where he just unloads, and if he sees it, he's going to get it, or he'll at least get you there. Um, He makes everyone around him better, so he's a good teammate. Actually leading the league in assists right now, and I feel like the age at this point doesn't even matter. Yeah, if you went down the road, sure, pick someone younger, but hey, I'm in it for now, and he's definitely one of the most exciting players too. So yeah, LeBron James, absolutely. That's a spicy take there. Interesting answer, but I must say I'm a little surprised. How about you, Parker? I do believe this is a right or wrong answer, and I believe that Luca is the current right answer. Is he 20 or 21 right now? I think 19, actually. All right, so 19, (laughs) 20, 21, either. I mean, he is an absolute monster. This season, almost 29 points a game, nine assists almost 10 rebounds, a walking triple-double who is leading the Mavericks to a a playoff contention in in a good seed. Um, I think that they're missing a couple pieces on that team to make sure that um, they they remain competitive in the playoffs. But if I'm starting a team and building around one player, aging to consideration – Absolutely, Luca is my choice. Yeah, he's uh, 20 years old, so there's a whopping 15-year difference. That's a career for most players between Luca and LeBron. Um, I'm just being a little stubborn that championships last a while, and I know if I'm picking LeBron, I'm at least going to get two of them immediately. But, uh, Parker, I'm, I can't really disagree with that. That's a, I mean, give me Luca, I'll, I'll take it. I just prefer LeBron a little more. It's a little more promising as far as championship now, ready. Yeah, to back up kind of what Michael talked about with LeBron, if you've got a chance to win a championship in a year and you need a player to get you to the championship, you take LeBron every day. Um, This guy can't even drink an illegal Dallas club player. You know what I mean? You do have a good point there, but, yeah, I see what you're saying. 
Yeah, and I do agree with Parker that this is a right or wrong answer. However, I believe the right answer is Giannis. I do think that championships are valuable, and I think Giannis gives you the best chance to collect a championship today. He's only 26. I mean, when the dude plays, he just gets the ball, dribbles right down in front of the hoop, and either tosses it in or dunks it. I mean, it, the dude is unstoppable. He is the Greek freak. He is Superman. He is the guy that if I am trying to win an NBA championship, I just take him because he's the guy that no one else can stop. I I, I would I think that Giannis is definitely a fantastic choice. I, I am a player who drafted um, Giannis in my fantasy, and I can tell you right now, I'm not disappointed in watching his games. He single-handedly dominates the other team. He cannot be stopped. Um, the only thing that it comes down to is, I think, the efficiency from the line. We've taken a real dip this year, and uh, when push comes to shove, free throws are big in big games. Those free throws need to be hit. It's the one thing that LeBron's gotten caught um, slipping for. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if if LeBron shot 80% from the line, oh, man. I mean, it'd be no question on the GOAT. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think that that could be one thing that holds Giannis back a little bit. Yeah, no, all, all good points. All good answers, honestly. Um, Luca just has that, if you're going for the long run of consistency, he's 20 years old and he's producing triple-double basically over 28 points a game. I'm going for win now, 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 like yesterday. And Giannis is like right in the middle at 25 years old and just dominating everyone. They're number one in the East right now for a reason. And he obviously he's the best player. Um, can we get all three on a team? <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh, that's an unstoppable team. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, too, with Luca that will be interesting to see is if he can maintain this improvement in free throw. Because like LeBron and Giannis, he struggled with his free throws in his first year in the league. They've gotten better this year, but they're still not quite to that elite level that they were when he was playing in Europe. But, you know, 78%, that could be better. That's right yeah. around league average. Yeah, he's a point guard, too, and he's very high volume. You uh, kind of want to make it a little bit more, but he's still 20 years old. He's only going to get better. Yeah, no, all fun players to watch. I think we can all agree that if we're watching a game with any three of these players, we are entertained the entire game of the entire game. Um, so yeah. that's the most important thing. So it makes us love basketball. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So all good choices, but I think we can all agree Giannis would be the one that we would pick. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, totally. No, come on. Long live the king. No, honestly, if I had a second choice, it would be Giannis. Um, young, unstoppable. When you watch Giannis on the TV, it's, it's literally like watching something I've never seen before. So. The goat. Nah. Yeah. Spicy takes. <laughs> all right, and that does it for this episode of Habanero Hoops. Thank you all for listening. We had a fun discussion here with Parker, and we'd like to thank him for coming on the show. It's a good time. You guys have fun. Uh, look forward to being back, and uh, maybe when I win this next fantasy championship, I can come back and. Uh, let you know my tips and tricks alright don't be a stranger glad to have you on Jeez. alright and you just listened to the spiciest fantasy basketball podcast with the hottest takes until next time